for joining us today. My name is Kelly Garrido and I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. We are thankful that you have decided to join our session. Um, if you don't know us yet, Great Data Minds is a collective of passionate data activists and we are on a mission to modernize the world of data. We do this in two different ways. The first is that we have our services arm at greatdataminesinnovationlabs.com. This is where we do our strategic planning, education, and the deployment of critical data projects. Then over on the greatdataminds.com, the GDM side of the house, this is where we create content and host great events, just like the one that we're doing today. Um, we invite transformational thought leaders uh, to join us on the line and share some of their expertise. And so that's, that's what we're going to get into today. A um, little bit of housekeeping before we get things kicked off. This is a webinar, of course, so your cameras and microphones are off to all the attendees. But we do welcome live conversation. You can do this in a couple ways. You can do it through the chat. Um, you can use the Q&A, uh, which will send a question directly to me. Um, or if you prefer to wait until the end of the session for a more formal Q&A time, we'll hold some space for that as well. Um, and so today I am very excited to host this amazing conversation and I will start by introducing our guests. So we have Alexandria Leary. Um, Alexandria is a cloud technology and information security enthusiast. She, is, uh, she has a master of science in information systems and she excels in translating tech talk. Tech talk, yeah, that's kind of weird when I said it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why we have Alexandria to do it. Uh, and then we also have Aaron Rea. Aaron is a principal cloud security consultant at ScaleSec, and he has degrees in computer science and physics from Texas Lutheran University. And both Alex and Aaron hold a myriad of professional technical certifications from Google and AWS and more. So these are the right people to talk to today. But before we begin, of course, our very own like Santa, a young Santa in the making is Mr. Mike Lampa. <laughs> he is our chief analytics officer here at Great Data Minds. Uh, Mike is a true transformation agent. He works with enterprises to modernize their analytics programs from the ground up. He's got a ton of experience as an executive analytics practitioner, both as a consultant and as an employee in Global 100 Enterprises. That's the end of my rant. Mike, thank you so much for dressing up today. I'm very, You're I'm very welcome. I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the season. We, we have a light snow happening outside of Denver, Colorado today. So this is this is all very, very well put together. According to the forecast, that light snow may turn into blizzard. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kalia and Alexandria and Erin. Welcome. So great to see you again today. And happy holidays to everybody. This is our final session, and we thought it'd be a nice one to bring the holiday season into full swing. So. Thank you for joining us. So Alexandria and Aaron, let's talk security. My understanding is you have some like five core tenets around securing our cloud data warehouse ecosystem. Let's get into talking about those if we may. Yeah? Sounds good. Um, I can go ahead and start and I will start with just the first one that I believe that everyone should start with when building anything in the cloud and that is to not forget the security basics. Um, so in this case that counts for things like IAM, making sure that you have roles for folks and that the access that they are um, using is only what they require, that there is not anything additional or above and beyond what they should have access to that is in there. Um, encryption of anything that you can encrypt is usually a good choice. 
Um, firewalls are also a top one to make sure that the network is more secure as well. Um, composing your data architecture from simple and secure primitives like that is the best way to start with a secure base level, and then you can continue to build from there. Yo, and, and, and from, to oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to offer up a, just a commentary around the file, firewall thing. Many companies are trying to figure out how to tap into their censored products and uh, services, uh, which typically, depending on, especially if you're in a manufacturing capacity, that's a double firewall um, hurdle to get through in order to bring that sensor data back to the cloud. So I appreciate you mentioning the firewall configuration aspects. I think the, the one thing I'd like to add in, in not forgetting the basics is also not forgetting simplicity of the basics. Um, everyone, uh, I think in a lot of cases, sees the complexity of the cloud and thinks, wow, that's, that's something that we're, you know, uh, that's too complex to handle. When in reality, if you stick to the the fundamentals, you stick to the basics, and you try and keep them simple, uh, you'll come out uh, successful and secure uh, on the other end. Mm -hmm. All right, so so we got the security basics nailed down, but we're talking about data. So uh, we're talking about data warehouses and data lakes and lake houses and giving ubiquitous access to our end user uh, information stakeholders and whatnot. Um, can we talk a little bit about what we need to focus on when we you know, uh, utter the phrase, lock down your data? Yeah, so I can start again and then I'll have Aaron kind of take over um, if I miss anything or if he has anything to add. Um, one of the things to keep in mind as far as locking down your data is kind of back to the IAM statement that I made earlier. Not everyone needs to see everything. Not everyone needs to know everything. So if there is sensitive data in the data that you have, it's a good idea to either tokenize it or hide it in some way if possible. Um, if you don't need it, then it's even better to just get rid of it. That will prevent any you know, accidental data leaks of PII or PHI, depending on what you have in your um, in your warehouse. Um, one of the other things that as far as kind of what your data looks like is keeping in mind where your data should be. There are certain rules and regulations that have come out like GDPR that kind of prevent you from having certain data in certain locations and making sure that it is in one regional area. And so making sure that you know where your data is, what's inside of it, and how you're going to use it, I think is a great place to start as far as keeping it secure. And to just build off that, um, to take another angle from the, the location of the data and where it's stored, um, aside from any kind of regulatory and compliance considerations, also think a little bit about where it's actually residing in the cloud. Um, are we storing data sets on, on compute instances in S3 buckets if you're on AWS? Um, is, it, is it living in some managed service? Um, all these things are important to consider when you go to track the lineage and, and um, your attack surface in terms of you know, where, how, and when data might be breached. Um, in security, we like to think this, of this concept of blast radius. How, how impactful would the action of putting um, a data set on, a, on an EC2 instance potentially be if you're doing snapshots or backups of the, 
of the instance, or if potentially that instance is exposed to the internet and someone, uh, an attacker breaches that via SSH or the web server, uh, what kind of exposure could you see there? So it's always important to, to take that into consideration when you're evaluating different services or different architectures uh, for your data pipelines. Mm. You know, and, and you mentioned around, uh, you know, that making data available to the people on a need to know basis. Um, there's an implication there, you know, we, we have to be careful as data professionals, I believe, and I'm looking for your input as, as you've uh, interacted with many uh, organizations um, throughout your services. Um, the integration of row level security um, is an important thing so that as I authenticate myself, I should only see the rows of data that are available to me. But I'm also seeing more and more clients going to role based access control or even attribute based access and cell based access controls. Um, as you're consulting with organizations, uh, from a security standpoint, uh, how often do you have to get involved with the data architecture groups um, to, to advise them? Well, it's, all, it's often pretty fundamental to, to the efforts that we're, we're involved in. Um, in a lot of cases, there's either uh, a misunderstanding or a lack of, of knowledge in how to actually implement some of those, those features in <clears throat> certain cloud services. Um, uh, Role-based, obviously, going back to point one, IAM is probably what you need to be spending 80 to 90% of your time on in the cloud and then everything else. Once you get, once you get IAM lined out and, and your network access, obviously, um, everything else is just kind of, you know, plugging in the Legos, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a lot of times in our engagements, it's a matter of understanding the problem that the data or data engineer or, or other engineers are trying to solve and mapping those needs to the different types of controls, IAM, firewall, encryption, um, as, as they fit properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many times I, I see companies that you have a deer in the headlights look to them. It's like, well, wait a minute. How do I implement access controls where I only want people to see certain sets of data? It's like, well, there's a data model implication there. Yeah. Great. All right. So keeping it, keeping it simple, focusing first on the, the basics, make sure we understand how to lock down the data, not only proximity and, and where it is, but then those access controls in, which of course integrates the, um, it has an integration point with the data models themselves. What's our next thing that we need to be focusing in on? Well, Mike, if I could, if I could just step back to, to locking the data down, um, I think yeah. one thing that we often, that's often forgotten is the fact that the, the data is there, if, even if we're not using it anymore, right? Um, and obviously, there's cost implications to that. But from a security perspective, there's there's risk involved in maintaining data that you're not actually going to use. So it's really important to to keep everything to classify everything and consider how long it actually needs to live in your cloud in your environment uh, to be accessed and and get the value out of it. And then once you're done with it, um, don't leave it up there. Right? These aren't servers that are locked behind uh, locked behind your cabinets. Uh, these are up in the cloud and uh, you never know what's going to, what's going to come next in terms of breaches or, um, you know, unauthorized access. So age, age your data out when you're done with it, just go ahead and, and remove it. And on top of that, you'll save, you'll save the storage cost. Oh gosh. I, I love that you brought that up, Aaron, because, you know, we're constantly trying to help our customers understand that data is a product. We're building a product through software, right? And data pipeline software and whatnot. And because it's a product, it has a life cycle. 
which means there's an end of cycle period there. And we have to be really, really cognizant of that. It's so easy to forget about the fact that I've got this obsolete or dormant data that's sitting around and it's insidiously turning into a liability. Mm -hmm. All right. So lock your data down, but don't forget about it. Ooh, okay, so let's don't throw away the key. <laughs> don't throw away the key. <laughs> Where's the key to my sled? Um, so um, we're locking our data now. What's our next part now around security standpoint? What's well, once you've got tenant? the fundamentals, once you've got your your, your fundamentals there, your, your your security fundamentals, and and you really know what you have and and how you're using it. Um, it's time to start looking at what resource, what resources and services are actually available to you. Um, and a lot of cases in, in AWS, if anyone was paying attention to the reInvent announcements last week, there's a whole lot, uh, there's a number of new services that um, focus on not only um, uh, managing and, and, and analyzing data uh, and, and data streams, uh, but also observing uh, that infrastructure and maintaining it in a, in a, a performant way. Um, so what I would say is, is focus on the fundamental tools that you're using. So if it's, if it's a Macy or a data loss prevention tool in AWS, um, you know, your red shifts or, or big queries, if you're over in GCP, um, focus on understanding fundamentally what those tools are, are built to do and making sure that it's the right tool for the problem you're trying to solve. Cause in a lot of cases we, we come across customers who think, okay, we're going to, we're using, um, the, the 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 example I like to use is, is Kubernetes. Um, Kubernetes is an awesome technology. Uh, it's very highly scalable. Very um, uh, again, to go back to the Lego analogy, you can build all kinds of really great things on top of it. But it might not be the best thing to to run your 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 WordPress blog on, right? And likewise, uh, Redshift or or Macy or any combination of, of of these tools might not be the right one for the specific task you're trying to 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 execute. So I would, I would caution, you know, read through the documentation, maybe reach out to, if you're, if you're working with, um, uh, with an account manager or someone on, on a particular cloud, um, see what resources are there to, to better understand the tools you're actually using and make sure it's a good fit for, for your problem. Mm -hmm. you, I, I know as part of your service offering, uh, you'll do some pretty comprehensive um, security vulnerability kind of assessments. Um, how often do you do you get the nod from the data, the, the, the chief data officer or data professional organizations to come in and assess their cloud environment around their data warehouse and uh, data analytics ecosystem? It's it's certainly not uncommon. Um, in a lot of cases, um, the the data officers are, are are sometimes the most aware of compliance issues or potential risks, and, and definitely. Uh, come to us on occasion to to help them out from from their perspective, and then in, in, eventually we get embedded with the uh, the the engineering teams and you know maybe the sysadmins to to help them shore up the the foundation as it were. Um, Alexandria, I think you might have had uh, more experience in this uh, in dealing directly with data offices. Um, not so much on the data offices side. I tangentially know a little bit about the data side of things, just because um, my boyfriend actually works in data science. Hmm. I hear kind of the the other side of it a little bit, which is actually kind of what made me interested in the security side of it more so than just my job. Um, 
just listening to some of the struggles that he has had and has had to kind of sort through because it is really, he doesn't work for a very big company. So there's not a lot of, I guess I'll say support as far as kind of the security side of things goes. So having all of that put on, you know, just the data engineer or data scientist is a lot, right? It's definitely not their forte like it is mine or Aaron's. And so they have to spend a lot of time going through and making sure that they do read the documentation, like Aaron mentioned, so that they can even configure things properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, why not have hundreds and hundreds of data security professionals available to you <laughs> through your cloud providers? You know, I, and I still have a lot of uh, you know, large enterprises, especially in certain industries. Um, healthcare is starting to um warm up to cloud-based um uh, solutioning but still you know in financial services and um in many cases telco very very adverse to cloud because of security concerns can can either of you comment on that is this a red herring or is it a valid concern or is it both <laughs> well i think um i think it's just a matter of not not knowing what what you don't know in some cases um and of course uh healthcare um, fintech, uh, banks and such, they're, they're all going to be very risk averse, right? And rightfully so, um, especially mm -hmm. with the types of breaches we've seen in the last, in the last decade. Um, but ultimately the, the, um, uh, the most successful teams we find, or we, we've worked with, uh, seem to find a footing somewhere. And we, uh, as we, as we guide them into uh, a better understanding of what the cloud actually means and how to use it. And from there, they, we, we start, uh, you know, as a group to see, where it better fits and maybe where it doesn't. There's, there's obviously some places where um, either your risk profile or or your financial profile is just not uh, amenable to running certain things in the cloud. Um, mm -hmm. In that case, of course, you know, stay on-prem, stay with whatever solution uh, fits fits those profiles. Um, but oftentimes it's just a matter of, of gaining a better understanding of what's actually out there and how to use it. And then the, 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 the blocks start to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then some of the services that are available, are, are there um, access logs or things of that sort that you can constantly um, monitor or even start to put some triggers on um, to give you a heads up that you know, people are attempting to go around the access controls that are in place? Absolutely. And we could we could even do an entire other series of podcasts on on just observability and, and where it would relate to data and how you would actually take the the plethora of signals you could potentially program into your cloud environment and then just manage and, and analyze all those. In fact, um, uh, AWS just, just announced a, a preview of a service that they call uh, their security data lake, right? An entire <laughs> data lake dedicated specifically to security observability in AWS and also uh, that works with a, a really interesting um, new open source initiative called the Open... the open cybersecurity um, uh, schema framework, which is going to be kind of a lingua franca amongst, or aims to be kind of a lingua franca between um, all, all the different security vendors and, and the cloud and stuff so that you can really start to interoperate some of these tools and get actionable data from, uh, from the different sources all into one place rather than having to have, you know, a pager over here and then an alert over here and an email somewhere else. It all can kind of feed into one place uh, you know, be it AWS or be it another vendor, um, and, and you can actually kind of really move towards that single pane of glass. Mm. Yeah, 
Where, and so does it abstract the, all the bits and nibbles that come off of the different disparate security platforms? Um, Essentially, yeah, it's 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 mm -hmm. a common schema that says, hey, if you if you're looking at a you know a CPU um, uh, usage uh, reading over here or a firewall um, you know a firewall traffic uh, monitor over here, um, this is the way you translate it into a common uh, a common schema so that everyone can read it as the mm -hmm. same way. You know, security has so many nuances to it. How do I, what level of engineering do we need to put into the, to this whole security framework? Well, that's that's the great thing. A lot of the a lot of the cloud providers realize that they're uh, that things can be very complex um, at you know at taken from a, a thirty thousand foot view. Um, so they've come up with with various frameworks and um, and, and uh, white papers on um, working through the com the more common use cases or a base use case. Uh, mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, uh, there's there's plenty of professionals out there who can who can help uh, guide you above and beyond just that that simple use case. But a lot of times, and, and I like to um, uh, repeat this uh, quite a bit, uh, uh, simple is fast and, and fast, or sorry, simple is secure and secure is important. <laughs> Security is important. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, to to butcher, butcher a quote uh, from a movie, but. Um, <laughs> Overall, if you feel like things are getting too complex and out of hand, go back to first principles. Go back to the the simplest thing you can find in the documentation and work from there, uh, because it's likely uh, the simpler you keep it, the closer to being secure you'll be. You know, I, I see. We talked about AWS and GCP, and two of the clouds that we're most familiar with as well. Um, they have got a just wealth of documentation. Um, are there um, vehicles to have access to the security professionals to get guidance from the cloud providers you know, where, where you can get some office hours from them? Or what, what's your experience there? Certainly, there's there's definitely um, professional services offerings from, from most of the major mm -hmm. clouds. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, third parties like us. Um, yeah, sure. In general, it's it's going to be mostly static documentation until you start engaging with your with your account manager on any of the particular on any individual platform. Mm -hmm. But yes, there's and definitely there's des definitely paths to escalation in that sense. Yeah, and of course, you guys are a great conduit um, for that, right? Because you know, it's like, how do I how do I get the attention of GCP? Right? <laughs> I got a specific security question. So, all right, um, let's talk a little bit about. The fact that there is just tons and tons and tons of data that people are starting to realize are of value to them. Internal data that they've never tapped into before. I mentioned IoT-oriented data, you know, sensor kind of data has just been sitting around getting uh, generated and not used, uh, but also um, syndicated data and third-party data, data marketplaces and whatnot. So, so as we're bringing on more and more and more data, I mean, what do we track? What do we log? Alexandra, I'll let you start with this one if you like. I would say um, as, as far as a baseline of logging, like API calls are good, access to the data, anyone who accesses it so that you can, like that data lineage that Aaron mentioned earlier, 
if you have too many people accessing the data, then you can't necessarily prove its integrity any longer. So um, logging who has access to it and where from, when they access it and what they do to it. Um, a lot of times that can get to be a lot. Um, you end up with alert fatigue and then you just kind of ignore everything, uh, <laughs> which you don't mm, want. Right. Um, so um, making sure that you use that data and then set alarms on, you know, hey, this was weird or um, this has happened too many times where it will let you know when something isn't the norm, I think is the best way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Aaron, you got anything to add to that? I've got a follow-on question or observation. No, let's, yeah, let's let's go on to your your follow-on. Yeah, so um, I've been very keen on helping companies realize the the uh, potential value of using more and more machine learning algorithms against the data products that we build. So you know, going beyond just visualizations, but really starting to mine that data, looking for those combinations of attributes that can predict a particular outcome. Um, and uh, from what I'm seeing, the regulatory agencies are also starting to um, lean in on the use of data, um, especially as it relates to beating machine learning algorithms and, and uh, um, artificial intelligence algorithms. Uh, the, the, I guess my point is it's, it's going beyond who's accessing data, but it's also around what are they doing with it? Are you starting to get, um, are you seeing that kind of groundswell when you're getting asked to help companies understand the, the whole landscape of regulatory requirements, not only those that are in place like GDPR and CCPA, and I think Colorado's is CPA, um, uh, but there, there's, there's regulatory uh, bills that are on, the table around algorithmic accountability. Are you seeing uh, any kind of pickup from organizations around asking you to assist with that as well? I don't know that we've we've really started seeing that yet. I think it's really coming into the zeitgeist, especially in the last you know say few weeks, even to to a couple <clears throat> of months with with ChatGPT and and Google. Um, um, Back over the summer, uh, GitHub Copilot and and such, um, and I think I think honestly, right now it's it's kind of the wild wild west. I don't think uh, legislatively we're we're quite prepared for um, for the explosion of AI that I expect we'll see in the next in the next eighteen to twenty four months, and um, in, in the new uses. Um, uh, and. Uh, Alexandria, I don't know if you have any any comment on it. I'm just um, I'm just amazed at what how commonplace it's become in the last, like I said, the last few weeks to talk about. Oh, AI is generating art. AI is generating, uh, you know, visual art, uh, written uh, art, music, uh, code, even. Um, yeah, I haven't encountered anything as far as kind of the security side of it goes, but I do think it will be something that will continue to grow kind of exponentially over the next little bit here, because like you said, it's definitely taken off. Yeah, so, so that implies then the accountability is on the, the conscious enterprise, right? It's like, I know it's coming, how do I get ahead of it? And you know, so what would be some of the fundamental blocking and tackling that you can recommend? We started talking about logging. Um, 
not only access controls, but what are the kind of logging or telemetry should companies be considering as it relates to the consumption of the data? Uh, just in general, your your CRUD operations. Um, you obviously want to know where the data is coming from, um, and and I would assume with, um, for instance, CCPA or CPA and 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 et cetera, um, you'll need some sort of uh, record of release for that data. You know, did the uh, mm -hmm. did the individual opt in or opt out um, when when that data was collected? You know, what are the ramifications of that? Um, and uh, you know, what other kind of privacy implications is the data, you know, identifiable in the in the classic sense of, you know, name, address, phone number? Is it identifiable in the in the inference or the inferable sense? As in, uh, there's been a lot of work done around statistically um, correlating uh, what we would consider randomized data to actual people, and apparently, it's a, it's a little bit easier than we we originally uh, thought mathematically. So hmm. uh, there's, it's a complicated subject at this point, um, but in terms of what um, what you can do proactively uh, from a foundational standpoint in the cloud, obviously make sure you know where it came from, uh, make sure you know where you're putting it and make sure you know who can, who can change it and or delete it and when mm -hmm. you need to delete it. Yeah, back to that data product life cycle. It's so, I I hope people are really taking note on that. Um, all right, so a lot of logging uh, around the consumption of data and by whom, for what reason, et cetera. And does the type act to the intended policies? Um, let's get on to our fifth tenant. We talked about a lot of the fundamentals here. So what, if you could summarize, give me, give me a few for the fifth tenant that you uh, propose, propose or are proponents of. Yeah, so no one size fits all. Um, depending on what you're using the data for, what kind of company you are, how big you are, all kinds of things like that. Um, you can set things up in a way that works best and makes sense for your business use case and still keep it secure. But that doesn't necessarily look the same for a you know small five-person company as it would for, say, a giant healthcare company. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you um, right-size what your security looks like and the tools that you use for it um, will help things stay secure. Like Aaron said, simple is secure and will also uh, in the long run probably save you money. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's it kind of triggered the thought in my head is everybody's got to really, you know, take the heart, the, the need to be in compliance, whether you're small or large. Of course, large companies have deeper pockets. Um, and maybe they can absorb the legacy events that take place where they get hit with a $30 million fine, but a small company that's generating $10 million in revenue, uh, they're equally at risk, aren't they? Absolutely. I don't mean to discard the um, security statements that we made before, but they might look different as far as how they're implemented. Mm -hmm. So um, the tools that are used might look different. Um, the data that's kept might look a little bit different. Uh, the life cycle might look different depending on what type of company you are or what you're using it for. Um, just the different use cases can have different, um, I guess, configurations. Mm -hmm. and, and large enterprises, I mean, you know, they've, they've got, there's a lot of heaviness, right? I mean, I've got a huge center of gravity sitting here. 
And now I'm reactively realizing, oh my gosh, I've got vulnerability. Um, is it fair to say that um, young startups that are um, you know, blazing the trail, um, is it easier for them to implement security at the ground, ground level? They're definitely a lot more agile. I think it depends on if they have that security mindset to start with. I will say kind of one of the things that I was talking or that I was listening to you guys talk about as far as um, companies moving to the cloud and some companies just refusing to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked with a bunch of different banks and some of them, it's kind of like trying to turn the Titanic, right? So you're, it's massive. It takes a really long time and you have to get everyone on board to be able to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But the smaller companies, like you mentioned, the startups, those can make decisions and make moves very quickly. So it looks a lot simpler for them um, <clears throat> to actually make that change. Yeah, yeah. and that would be my, my premise as well. Wouldn't it be great to just you know build, build security in intentionally by design from the very beginning? Yeah, start secure. <laughs> Which, which, you know, back to uh, earlier comment you made, Alexandria, the smaller companies, you got data engineers trying to wear a CISO hat. I mean, where do they go to get that kind of assistance? Us. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay, I didn't mean that to be a shameless plug for ScaleSec, <laughs> but it worked out that way. <laughs> um, uh, which really, I did, you know, that, that implies that, um, you know, the, there's no really company footprint that is uh, can abdicate their, their responsibility for security access control around their data data products for sure. Yeah. No, but it's it's for everyone. Um, I think that everyone should have at least kind of like a basic knowledge of security. That would make things a lot easier. Um, obviously there are companies like Skillstack, and there's people like me and Aaron who will happily talk about security all day long every day so mm -hmm. um as long as people take advantage of that and try to learn along the way i think it'll all end up okay awesome so as we're, we're coming yeah we're hit the, the, the uh, bottom of the hour um kaylee not seeing much chatter out there i don't know if anybody in the audience wants to share some observations or insights i'm mm -hmm. prompting you to do so <laughs> Yep, this is a perfect time to um, share some questions. You can add it into the chat or in the Q&A if you have any. And we have some calls to action as well in the Oh, meanwhile. let's hear about those, yeah. Well, I know Skillsec has a, a pretty robust blog that is kicking around. So I'm gonna share a link to that. This is um, blog insights about cloud security and from compliance experts. Let me get that in the chat. You can hit that right here for everybody. Um, and then, of course, you can check out scalesec.com um, forward slash services if you want to see the different ways that these experts can help. Mm -hmm. Sure. Can you share a little bit about, around the, the, the service offerings that you have? Alexandria and uh, Aaron. Sure. So, um, uh, myself particularly, I'm I'm uh, come from a bit of an engineering background, and we always like to to sink our teeth into into um, kind of the DevOpsy side of things. So we we focus a lot of a lot of time and effort around uh, 
helping teams transition to the cloud in a in an automated fashion uh, because really once you once you get going and up to scale it's really hard to do what we call click ops which is okay i'm just going to mouse around in the in the cloud console and and you know craft everything uh by hand um not only from an operational standpoint but from a security and compliance standpoint that that becomes really hard to scale really fast um so focuses on automation and pipelining just like you would with maybe your etl or or, or other um ml and ai jobs um mm -hmm. Uh, we have a we have an offering around you know the growing comply uh, the growing privacy space. Uh, you mentioned some of the some of the um, uh, laws uh, earlier that um, you know we'd be able to help help guide and, and uh, grow understanding around. Um, and then we're also um, I think we're also trying to work on uh, expanding into into ML and AI and and more of a data ops perspective. Um, uh, you know, as the as the industry grows, and uh, you know, as we see today, it's coming becoming much much more relevant. Yeah, I could see um, your um, influence around. Uh, you mentioned data observability earlier. That's a big buzz right now in in the you know the data warehousing, data analytics space, and everybody's you know we're going to oh my gosh, we got these complex. Uh, data pipelines that are extracting data and transforming the snot out of it and then refactoring it and then pushing it off into multiple targets. Um, but there's no um, ongoing inline validation um, looking for anomalies in the data. Is there drift going on? Is there unreasonable you know, uh, things coming across? I would imagine you can weigh in a little bit from a security perspective on the kinds of things that should be in that data observability um, um, sublayer, if you will. Sure, a lot of the things we can capture um, are, are uh, anomalies in e either the computation or the modification of things. Um, mm -hmm. We rely a lot on hash on hashing um, when it's when it's feasible for the for the data set. Um, let me think. Um, Alexandria, do you have anything to add? No, I think that is kind of what we focus on is just the, um, like you mentioned, the change and making sure that that is, you know, either alerted on or um, at least brought to somebody's attention. Mm -hmm. I wonder if anybody's thinking around the corollary kind of analysis. It's probably more of a correlation than a causation, but um, if I've got this single pane of glass around security-oriented events, and I got another single pane, pane of glass around the observability of the quality and the content of data, um, is anybody starting to try to inter interweave those and say, ooh, looks like we we're seeing a, a spike in security activity, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing this spike in in, in data observability alerts. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the more cutting edge um, spaces is is correlating both uh, the traditional perimeter security to what is the actual integrity of the data. And there's definitely uh, there's definitely tried and true methods of of managing that on a on a server to server basis, but uh, I think some of the tools are still catching up in terms of being able to correlate the two at the scale that you can get to in the cloud. Um, and so uh, I'll say maybe watch this space. Uh, hopefully that mm. uh, we, we can catch up as an industry.
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it, a question came across that it kind of dovetails to that, Aaron. Um, I'll read it to you. As mentioned already, most quote data people aren't very security aware and, and frankly, many times don't care. Right? Um, how can you make the need for data security interesting or compelling to them? Sure. Um, well, I think a, a healthy dose of automation um, ought to be able to spark the interest of, of just about any engineer I've ever met. Um, uh, showing that path of how, hey, we can we can reduce some of the toil, to, to quote the SRE handbook, um, mm -hmm. uh, that you as a data engineer might have to go through, uh, you know, just by tweaking a few, you know, plugging plugging a few services together um, mm -hmm. and giving you more time to either either refine the data as it's coming in, which I know is a big, big pain point in, in a lot of pipelines, um, or be able to spend more time on the back end, um, you know, guarding the insights and 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 designing more experience experiments to to actually use the data on um uh, automation ultimately is going to be the driver behind finding that extra time uh, mm -hmm. and that, that extra capability um, and that's that's really what we focus on is uh not so much okay we're going to replace everybody with robots but where can we really put the machines to work um in places that humans um either are are overqualified for or um, or, you know, inefficient at in terms of, uh, sure, I can, I can lift a box and put it on a shelf, but I am not very good at, uh, writing, writing bits to a disc. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So we can get them somewhat interested, but it, even if that, that doesn't pique their interest, what are some of the ways that we can get them motivated to take security serious? <laughs> Certainly. I, um, I, Fall back on observability. You know, if we can if we can tighten that feedback loop between the services they're using and the feedback of hey, this is either insecure or this is a data risk, and this is, you know, seeing the whole picture of hey, if we if we just throw this up here in a bucket and we're not worried about the the permissions to to beat the dead horse of the the, the leaky bucket, um, then this is this is quickly what what could happen. You know, mm -hmm. you could do some chaos engineering, you could do some uh, chaos security engineering, which is a new a new buzzword I heard a couple of weeks ago to, at a talk um, to kind of reinforce that hey, uh, this kind of behavior you know, is 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 risky, and the uh, the 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 remediation of of it or the the proactive steps to prevent it are actually really simple um, in in terms of just you know uh, here use this use this uh, this infrastructure's code that we have in our infrastructure's code catalog, which by the way is probably a good idea, uh, a good place to start from. Just like you would with a data data catalog or a, you know a data mart in a warehouse, as security practitioners, we can help you um, design and tweak and and provide those to your data engineers, uh, your your individuals using the data, so that they can more easily and and like not really have to think about doing the security so much as just doing their doing their data work with the tools that we that we can provide. I love that. Is it, so this this kit. Go ahead, Alexandria, please. So I kind of add something else to that. Um, I think that's also kind of a people problem, right? So like if you change the culture of your company to be more security focused, so that it's something that you talk about, it's something that you focus on, it's something that is reviewed um, and is really a focal point, then obviously the people who work for a company are going to have at least somewhat more of an interest around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that feels like it starts from the top. 
Yeah, yeah. there's there's been a there's been a, a phrase shift security left that's really taken hold over the past few years, um, and and the crux of it is get people thinking about security early and and more often rather than it being kind of the guy who shows up later and says, hey, um, you're insecure. If you start thinking about it from the beginning, there's a whole lot less friction. Mm, I love that. Yep. Yep. Intentional design. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what a great dialogue. Enlightening for me. I'm going to go look into this chaos theory. <laughs> this is right. awesome, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today and for um, shedding some very necessary light, uh, especially as we go into the new year. Um, so uh, the, the links to the blog at scalesec.com, um, as well as the services are in the chat. Uh, I'm dropping a link in right now for our um, Great Data Minds LinkedIn group in 2023. This is where a lot of our conversation is really going to be shaping up to take place. So make sure that you request to join that group if you haven't already. Um, and we are just so thankful that you spent some time with us today. This will be recorded, of course, and posted out so you can um, access it later on YouTube or any of our social channels or on our website. And in closing, I would like to say very happy holidays to everybody. And thank you. Mm -hmm. I see some familiar names um, on the attendee list here. And I know some of you come to uh, a lot of the events that we have. And so we're very thankful um, to have you with us. Happy yep. holidays, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.